You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. Amen. Are we all good? Okay. I, I like good feedback, so please help me. Um, I, I've been told that our, our theme for the month is leading from where you are. Amen. Leading from where you are. The subject of uh, leadership is quite an interesting one. I believe that God uh, intends for every one of us believers to be leaders. Is, is my timer? Please just check because I, um, I could go on. Okay. That any, every one of us uh, be leaders. If you see in your Bibles, Genesis 1, the 26th verse, um, God was very clear about his intentions. Let us make man in our image in our likeness, let him function like us, let him have our characteristics. Um, and then in pronouncing upon him, I believe that's in verse 28, it says to be fruitful, uh, to replenish the earth, to have dominion, dominion. So God's intention for you and I uh, was leadership and still is leadership. It therefore is important for every believer to begin to lead from where we are, wherever it is that we find that God places us. After the new birth, uh, we should begin to sense the leadership that God has placed on our lives uh, and begin to walk in the same. I want to uh, take tonight from, a, from quite a spiritual bent. I'm not saying that to mean that leadership as a subject is not spiritual. Uh, I, I want to talk about how we grow in the grace of God. Amen. How we grow in the grace of God. I think it's an important subject and it will help your leadership. Um, journey, how we grow in the grace of God. If you see in uh, Ephesians 2, the eighth verse, it says, We're saved by grace through faith, yet not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It says, We are the workmanship of God, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, that he has prepared in advance for us, that we should walk in. Tell yourself, I'm saved by grace. Through faith. Amen. I'm saved by grace through faith. I'm saved by grace through faith. And so we come to the place of a new birth by the grace of God. It is not of works, like Paul said, lest any man should boast. It is simply God's gift that everyone who believes should come to him and then not perish but have everlasting life. But the Bible says that salvation is by the grace of God. I want us to see in uh, our Bible, Second Peter. If you will open it with me, Second Peter. I want to use this as a foundation text this evening. Second Peter. It's important. Second Peter one. I'll read from verses two to nine. It's important that we uh, learn as believers that we can grow in this grace. We can grow in this grace. The same grace that brought us to salvation. We can grow in that same grace and become better leaders. Otherwise, you become like uh, the people Paul spoke about where he says, though you ought to be teachers, even now you still have to be taught what are the first principles of the oracles of God. God intends that as the years go by, you and I, by his grace, grow um, in our leadership. Second Peter 1 and verses 2 to 9. Are we there? Okay. All right. I'd like for us to read it together as a church. One, two, let's go. It says, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. I want you to stop there. It's important that we understand the import of the text we've just read before we proceed. Paul is praying for a multiplication of grace and peace. He says, grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So you see straight away that grace can be multiplied unto you. You can grow in grace. You can uh, uh, grow stronger in the grace of God 
and it what and it what it mean and in what it means for you and what it can do for you. Paul said to grow in grace or be multiplied in grace through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Why? Because his divine power has given to us all things. How many things? All things. His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So indeed, when you come to Christ, you have all things that pertain to life and godliness. The truth is, you do not walk in that experience because you need to grow in your grace through the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So you and I have all things. You and I don't necessarily possess all things in our experience at this time, but the Bible says we have have all things and we have all things uh sorry it says we, we have all things but we access these things by multiplying the grace of god upon our lives his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness that also tells you that grace is one of the things he was referring to when he said his divine power. He says, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of, our, of, 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 uh, uh, of God and our Savior Jesus Christ as his divine power or according as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and to virtue. By, by, uh, verse 4, by which have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises. So we see one thing. We see that we can grow in the grace of God upon our lives. Secondly, we see that we have all things that pertain to life and godliness. Tell yourself, I have all things that pertain to life and godliness. Thirdly, we see that these things are embedded in the great and precious promises that God has given unto us. So all things you need are embedded in these great and precious promises that by them you may be partakers of the divine nature. So there is a nature of Christ that we all should walk in that we can partake of when we access the grace of God that gives us all things that being embedded in the word of God. Do we understand that? Do we understand that? Is, is anybody feeling sleepy this evening? You need to help me, okay? Help me, please. Do we understand that? Good. It says, by which have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises that through these promises, if you and I do not access and walk in the truth of God's word, we are unable to partake of the divine nature. We are unable to partake of the divine nature. At new birth, we began to partake of the divine nature, but we need to grow in how we partake of the divine nature. We need to grow in our experience of the divine nature. And so when you grow in grace, you grow in how you partake of the divine nature. Why? Because we have escaped the corruption that is in the world through loss. This reminds me of Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2 where it says not to be conformed to this world but be transformed, be changed, escape the corruption that is in the world through loss, be transformed uh, by the renewing of your mind that you may know what is the good, uh, what is the good, what is the uh, uh, acceptable and what is the perfect will of God. It says to offer up your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. It says that is your reasonable act of service. When you have come into the place of Christ and you want to partake of the divine nature, you then offer up the flesh. It says we have escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. You offer up your body, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. It says that is your reasonable service. Then don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may know what is the good, what is the acceptable, and what is the perfect will of God. The reason why we offer up our bodies, the reason why we escape the corruption that is in the world through lust, is that we may be able to know what is the good will of God, what is the acceptable will of God, and when we begin to walk in what you call the perfection or the perfect will of God, then we are maximizing the grace of God upon our lives. Does anyone get that? All right. So we are doing verse 5 now. Verse 5. Can we pick up on verse 5? One, two, let's go. 
Verse 5. I want us to read verse 5 together. Verse 5. The same First Peter 2 we were reading. First Peter 2, 1, verse 5. Okay, I'll read on. But also for this very reason, give all diligence to your faith. Sorry, give all diligence. Add to your faith virtue. To your virtue, knowledge. To your knowledge, self-control. To that self-control, perseverance. To that godliness. To that brotherly kindness. To that love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he that lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sin. In other words, he that lacks these things, it's still at the point of new birth. So you can become born again, you have come into the fold of Christ, and then you stay there. It says any man who over time has refused to partake of the divine nature is like one who has forgotten that he has been cleansed of his old sins. I want us to read also the same Second Peter, we'll read chapter 3. Let's look at verse, uh, let's look at verse 18, simple text, verse 18. Are we there? Second Peter, okay, I don't, okay, good. Second Peter 3 verse 18, let's read this together, one, two, let's go. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, be, to him be the glory both now and forever. I, to, I just did that to show us a second text that talks about growing in the grace of God. And someone asked me, Pastor, what does it mean to grow in the grace of God? I want to explain that by telling us what it does not mean to grow in the grace of God. Growing in the grace of God does not mean you are now more saved than at the time you got saved. Hallelujah. That's not the idea. It's not about becoming more saved. When you, be, when you were saved, you appropriated the death of Christ upon the cross. Now, when that work was finished, it was finished once and for all. Christ died on the cross for us. So when we talk about growing in the grace of God, I'm not, I'm not talking about becoming more, I don't want to use the word holy. I'm not talking about becoming more saved. You are not any more saved today than you were yesterday. Don't forget the text we read in Ephesians 2 verse 8. It says, not of works, lest any man should boast. 8 to 10. So there's nothing you will do in the flesh. There's nothing you can do in the flesh to make you any more saved today than you were yesterday. Growing in grace is not becoming more forgiven. There are some things you need to settle as a believer if you will grow in grace. When you understand that you cannot become more forgiven today than you were yesterday, then the sin issue is settled. And then you can move on in Christ without a sense of condemnation. It's Romans 8, I believe, verse 1, where it says, There's therefore now no condemnation to them that are in union with Christ Jesus, because the law of the Spirit of life is that 8 or 10. Okay, good. 8-1. It says, There's therefore now no condemnation to them that are in union with Christ Jesus, because the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. Tell yourself, I'm not condemned. Say, I'm not condemned. Say, I am not condemned. Say, because the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. If you do not understand this, you may not be able to grow in grace. If you do not understand this, the devil can use sin or condemnation to hold you back and hold you down. And so over years, when you ought to be teachers, when you ought to have grown, little things you do. And I say that not meaning to trivialize sin. I say that to say that as believers, we will always make mistakes. The Bible says, he that is born of God does not sin. The proper translation or a better translation will say, he that is born of God does not live in sin habitually or does not practice sin as a lifestyle. Why? Because the, uh, uh, the, the, the seed of God abides in him. It says, if any man sins, we have an advocate with the Father. He that is born of God does not sin. But if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. He that is born of God does not sin. But 
if any man sin. So it is not for you or it is not in you at new birth to live in sin as a lifestyle. It does not mean that we will not make mistakes. It does not mean that we will not fall every now and then. And I'm going to talk some uh, about that uh, somewhere along the line. It does not mean that you will not yield to your flesh every now and then. It, however, says that that man does not live in sin as a lifestyle. That man does not practice sin as a lifestyle. When you understand that, then you are able to grow in grace because uh, uh, one of the weapons of the devil is that he places upon us condemnation or a spirit of condemnation or a spirit of guilt. So you are born again, you are growing, you've attended service, you are happy, everything is fine, and then something happened along the way and the devil begins to whisper in your ears. Has anyone experienced that before? I have. Okay, this is a very holy church, only one person. God bless you. Oh, two people. Oh, three. Amen. Okay. Four. Wow. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Yeah. And the devil begins to whisper in your ears. Ah, Brother Tolu, you've given your life to Christ. How could you have done that? You had promised you were not going to speak to that girl anymore. You had promised you were not going to attend that meeting anymore. You even asked God for grace and you asked God for strength. Ah, Brother Tolu, are you sure you are really born again? Now you see that it's difficult to grow in grace because it always then looks like a story of three steps forward and then two steps backward. And then after two years, three years, you should be a strong person in Christ. But because Romans 8.1 has not been activated in your life, you still live under a spirit of condemnation and the devil keeps pulling you back. Tell yourself, there is no condemnation in my life. Because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. So when you understand that, you're able to grow in grace. When you understand that, when you trip up and the devil whispers in your ear, you are able to tell the devil, this is family business. There is no condemnation. He says, he that is born of God does not sin. The seed of God, the seed of God abides in him. I like a translation. It says that the DNA of God abides in him. The DNA of God abides in him. You don't live in sin as a lifestyle. You are not anymore saved. You are not anymore forgiven. You are not even anymore justified. It's not about, it's not about, it's not about justifying your salvation. It's not about saying, ah, Jesus, so you see now after all these years, it was worth it. Jesus, you, you tried. I'm a pastor. You see now, amen. <laughs> no, it's not any of that. Everything you will do, everything you will become in Christ is by the grace of God. By grace we are saved through faith, yet not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are the workmanship of God in Christ Jesus, created unto good works that he has prepared for us in advance that we should walk in. What does it mean to grow in grace? To grow in grace means to learn more of what God wants, you, of what God wants through his word. To grow in grace means to learn more of what God wants through his word. If you are interested in growing in grace, if you are interested in growing as a child of God, it must also interest you what God wants you to do. And so this should be your most important asset as a child of God. To grow in grace means to grow in the knowledge. Don't forget, we, we just read uh, 2 Peter 1 verse 2. It says, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge. Through the knowledge. Not through your intellect. You cannot think your way to what we are talking about. In fact, you cannot pray your way to what we are talking about. You cannot be wise enough to access what we are talking about. Grace and peace is multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and our Lord Jesus Christ. It is being able to do more of what God wants. So you grow in grace not just because you read the Bible and you understand the will of God, but because you also do the will of God. It's in James chapter 1 where Paul was, uh, 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 was saying around the 22nd verse, 
to 25th, where he was saying to uh, be doers of the word and not hearers only. He says, because you deceive yourselves. You deceive yourself when you are a doer and you are not a, uh, when you are, you, are, you are a hearer only and you are not a doer. He says, the man that hears only is like the man that looks in the mirror and immediately forgets what he looks like. He says, you should not think that you will receive anything uh, from the Lord. He says, but whosoever looks into the perfect law of liberty and then continues therein, he not being a forgetful hearer of the word, but also a doer of the same. A doer of the same. He said that man will be blessed in all of his deed. So when you grow in grace, you understand the will of God, but you go beyond that. That same grace begins to enable you to do the will of God. The will of God will test what you are used to. Seeing that we, seeing that we were born in sin, as it were, and you have lived a life dependent on your five senses. And suddenly we're asked to walk in faith. And God will say to you, no, 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 no. You, you know that person will cause you to compromise. Don't ask that person for the favor. I'm going to do it. I will do it myself. You need to then be in the place where you can trust God and say, God, I'm doing this because this is what your word says. It looks stupid. It sounds stupid sometimes. Have you ever been in the place where you had to obey God's word and it did not make sense? Anybody? It didn't make sense. It didn't make sense. In fact, you had the right connections. You could talk to the right people. You could sort it out yourself, so to speak. And now God is saying, trust me. When you get to the place of abandonment, when you can say more and more, God, I trust you. This is what your word says. This is what I'm going to do. You are growing in grace. Growing in grace is living more in the love of God or improving what we call your love walk. Your love walk. Every believer is a product of love. Every believer is love in action. Tell yourself, I'm love in action. Say, I am meant to grow in my love walk. It's in 1 Corinthians 13 where it says, the greatest of these things. It says, there abides love, uh, 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 faith, and what else? And hope. He says, but the greatest of all these things. He says, if I speak in the tongues of men and I speak in the tongues of angels. He says, I'm but like sounding, clanging, uh, sounding brass and clanging cymbals. <laughs> if I have all the gifts and I don't have love. Rubbish. He says, there abides faith. There abides hope. There abides love. But the greatest, that should be verse 13. He says, the greatest of these is love. Love is the greatest spiritual gift. Love is the greatest fruit of the Spirit. When you can walk in true love as a believer, then you are growing in grace. When that person can insult you and you overlook it and you remember the death of Christ on the cross and the amount of love that was shown there, I mean, how much love could you possibly show? The Bible says that the love of Christ was shown towards us in that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. A lot of us would die for our friends. Some of us, that's what it says. It says some would even die for their friends. Jesus effectively died for strangers. He said while we were yet sinners, while we were out of the fold, he died for us. That is the extent of of the love that Jesus Christ had for us. God so loved the world, John 3, 16, that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God so loved the world. The, the extent, the, the flexibility of his love was such that he could die for us. He loved you and I that much. When you think of that love, then understand that as a believer, you ought to grow in your love walk every day. That person that annoys you constantly in your office could be a test from God for your love walk. So I want you to see it like that. could be a test from God for your love walk. So you are not anymore saved. You are not anymore forgiven. You are not anymore justified. It's like a child. It's like a child. When a child is born, some of you here have kids. When a child is born and the child is one, is the child any more your child at age 10 than the child was at age 1? Talk to me. But do you expect your child to grow? So God expects you to grow. 
He expects you to grow not because you are more forgiving or you become more forgiving as you grow. He expects you to grow not because you, you, you become more loved as you grow. He expects you to grow because it is expected of every believer to grow in the grace of God. It says, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of, our Lord Je- of God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and our, love, on our, and our Lord Jesus Christ. How does God help us grow in grace? This is Bible study, so I hope you are taking notes. How does God help us grow in grace? We're talking about leadership. Leadership. If you do not grow in grace, you cannot lead in the field that God has placed you. How does God help us grow in grace? I've said one already. God helps us through his word to grow in grace. God helps us through his word to grow in grace. It's in 1 Peter 2, 2. He says, like newborn babes, to desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. As newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Now, let me say that the, the sincere milk of the word is for newborn babes. Some people want to stay at the milk of the word, keep enjoying the milk of the word. I mean, if you have a child here, and at age five, your, mo- your child said, Mommy, Mommy, and your child started tugging at your... Bimbo, you know what I'm talking about. Why are you looking? And your child started tugging at your shirt. Won't you say, Ah, Pastor, we have a problem. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Yeah? Because some people, ah, milk is just meant to help, you, help, keep, help keep you grow. Do you know that milk does nothing to an adult? Can anyone bear me witness? Is there anyone in that field? Any, oh, there's no nutritionist sort of. Milk does next to nothing to an adult. Yeah? Next to nothing. When you hear milk, gives you strong bones. Give you this. <laughs> there's no strong bone at uh, 35. <laughs> Amen. However strong your bone is at that age, is <laughs> how strong it can be. So for those of you taking milk for strong bones, sorry, it's a bit late. <laughs> yeah? That advert is to children. So ah, it gives you strong bones. It gives you strong this. Yeah, fine. At a certain age. It says as newborn babes. So you already see who milk is for. Desire this inspired milk of the world. However, when you go at, at a point, you then need to de- begin to desire the meat of the word. The Bible says strong meat is for them who by reason of habit have learned to discern good from evil. Strong meat is for them who by reason of habit, by reason of practice, by reason of day-to-day experience in and with the word of God. Strong meat. Tell your neighbor, grow up. If you don't have a neighbor, tell yourself, grow up. Strong meat is for them who by reason of habit, who by reason of use, who by reason of practice have learned to discern good from evil. As you grow, as you grow, you begin to take strong meat. Pastor, what is strong meat? Strong meat is moving from saying the grace every morning before you go out to to having a proper spiritual discipline of meditation. Meditation. Where you are sitting on the word of God and you are spending time. Paul said, whatever things are pure, or if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, if these things are good. He said, think upon these things. That's meditation. Spend time in it. Spend time with it. Think on it. So you begin to grow when you then, you know, uh, uh, you know gone are the days, growing up those days you are, as, a, as a believer, you, you wake up in the morning. Have you been there before? You wake up in the morning, you are not sure what to read. I like this, your church. People, they don't have all these problems. <laughs> yeah? You don't, you, don't, you, don't, you don't know what to read. And then you say, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. Wherever I open to. Has that happened to you before? Uh-huh. And then as you open, you saw woe unto you. And, ah! You say, I cancel, I cancel, I cancel. And then you close it again. <laughs> yeah? You close it again. You say, ah, Holy Spirit, I know it was a... It was a... <laughs> yeah? <laughs> And then you open it again and it talks about destruction. Ah, what's happening this morning? <laughs> you, can't, you, can't, you can't continue like that. You can't live. You don't play lottery with the word of God. Father, whatever I open to this morning. No. There's a point where you then become systematic and deliberate about the word of God. So from there, you even maybe move into devotionals, our daily bread and things like that. But you, you even grow out of that. You even grow out of that. Where you, where you, 
you, you wake up in the morning and you pray in, 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 you, you pray in tongues, you know, you, you spend God, uh, time worshiping God, and then you open your Bible to study. Maybe you've decided to study a chapter, or you've decided to study a character in Scripture. I want to know more about the life of Moses. Or you've decided to read Proverbs chapter 1 to 31. Proverbs is a book full of wisdom. There are some things you see in the book of Proverbs you will not believe what exist. He said, if you have stood bond for a brother, or he said, if you have stood bond for a stranger, that means you've, you've, you've guaranteed someone you don't know well. Can you imagine? <laughs> he said, go back and plead with him. I said, oh boy, <laughs> that thing I signed, please. Practical wisdom. That document I signed, please, I need to, <laughs> I need to cancel it. But you don't, you don't see those things if you stay in the place of uh, 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 five minutes in the morning, five minutes in the night. You know, you want to praise, oh, God bless me, uh, bless my house, our dog is sick, uh, all that. No, no, no. You need to see, when, as you grow in grace, you find out you pray more about others than yourself. As you grow in grace. You find out you pray, you find out you are, you are, you are moved by what people are going through. You become a non-issue over time. And God blesses you. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things that they seek after, he says, they'll be added unto you. They are, they are fringe benefits of the believer. Is anyone being blessed? <clears throat> How does God help us grow in grace? God helps us grow in grace through tests. Somebody say test. <laughs> God helps us grow in grace through tests. I want you to notice I did not say through temptations. Through temptations. No, no, no. Through temp No, no. You, you, God doesn't help you grow in grace through temptations. No. God doesn't help you grow in grace through sickness. No. That, 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 that thing that happened that caused you to fall, that caused you to fornicate, it was not a test from God. No. You know, a lot of us treat God like... Like he's this, you know, when you read uh, uh, the scripture that says, you know, he's going to come like a thief in the night. Say, ah, we don't know when he's going to come. Oh. You know, so everybody must, you know, we have that mentality that God is just watching us. And he's just watching us. And the day you mess up is the day he's going to come. Yeah, you've read all these books where he said people were farming. And then uh, suddenly somebody, oh, you've even had that dream before. Have you had a dream like that before? Where someone was, you and a friend were gisting. And then suddenly your friend was in there. I said, ah, rapture. Said, ah, yeah, God, I missed. <laughs> Amen. And so we treat God like he's this, he's this big, big daddy in heaven holding a cane, waiting for you. You know, he said you don't know when Jesus is, when, when, when Christ is going to appear. So you think Christ, you think God is just watching, watching. He's watching Tolu. Say, hey, Jesus, get ready, get ready. Get ready, you are going to go now. So rapture will happen soon. Just once Tolu, yeah? And then maybe Tolu just abuses that person at all. He said, go, 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 no, no, no. Sorry, you think Jesus you think Jesus sent his son to die on the cross, shed his blood just so he can catch you in sin? No, it's man that does that. God gets no glory from you not making heaven. <laughs> Hallelujah. Not at all. No glory from you not making heaven. So God does not God does not tempt us to grow in grace. God tests us to grow in grace. Pastor, what's the difference? You see in Hebrews 2.18, it says, because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he's able to help those who are being tempted. When you are tempted, God helps you. That's what he does. That's why before you fell, you heard the voice of the Holy Spirit saying, ah, don't do it. You know you shouldn't do it. <laughs> it, was a, it was a guy who came, to, uh, who came to his pastor. He said, pastor, he said, he said, Pastor, I don't understand. The devil is always making me fornicate, you know. Every time that lady, I said I wasn't going to sleep with her. I don't know what happened. I just find out that, and the, uh, you know, that we've done it. And the pastor said, don't worry, it's not a problem. He said, the next time you feel like that, he said, I want you to plant your feet in the ground and stand well. He said, stand. <laughs> he said, stand. He said, don't move. He said, the devil is going to come and carry you. <laughs> you know, a lot of us blame the devil. Poor devil. When we get to heaven, he's going to say, ah, oh boy. <laughs> he said, God, they're all liars. 
Yeah? He said, God is going to carry you. He said, just stand still. Still, don't allow. He said, when he carries you, he will carry you to that girl's house. He said, but stand still. <laughs> he said, just watch you. Just stand still. He said, he's going to start unbuttoning your shirt. He said, but refuse. Amen. Then, then you will notice he will start loosening your belt. He said, but just stand. <laughs> of course, he got the message. <laughs> he got the message <laughs> by then. <laughs> Hallelujah. God does not tempt us. God tests us. Pastor, what do you mean by God tests us? If you see in James chapter 1, it says, count it all joy when you face diverse trials and temptations. It says, knowing this, that the testing or the trial of your faith is working patience. It says, therefore, let, it says, let patience have a perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, lacking nothing. Count it all joy when you face diverse trials and temptations. When you face a variety of tests, it says why? It says the working or the testing of your faith is working something in you. When we are tested, it is for the purpose of growth. Nobody goes to school and then complains about exams. Am I talking to someone? I don't know if anybody went here to university. You spent three months studying, going to class every day. And then they say it's exam time. I say, God, why are you tempting me? God, why are you testing me? No, 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 no. The purpose of tests is to help us grow. The purpose of tests is to help us grow. So temptation is an enticement to sin. God does not entice us to sin. However, a test is for the purpose of growth. Tests happen when God is trusting us to make the right choice. So, God tested his people in Deuteronomy 30. He says, I, I lay before you life and death. I lay before you blessings and curses. He said, choose life. You are tested when you are at a junction, as it were. And you need to make a decision. Largely based on the word of God. That's what a test is. A test is that person saying, sleep with me. I will give you the job. That's not a temptation. That's a test. That is exam time. However, after all, you've been going to school. Why should you not then expect such? When you then say, based on the word of God, some trust in horses and others trust in chariots, I will put my trust in the name of the Lord my God, you have passed the test. And then the Bible says that way we grow in grace. We grow in grace. We grow in grace. That's a test. It's, it's, it's God trusting us to make the right decision. Isaiah 20, the 30th verse, it says, uh, uh, though you eat of the bread of adversity and the, the, water of, the water of affliction and the bread of adversity, it says that uh, your, your, your teachers will not be withheld from you anymore. Your eyes will behold your teachers. It says, then you will hear a voice behind you saying, behold, this is the way walking in it. Whether you turn to the left or you turn to the right. At that point of decision, at that place of decision, you hear a voice behind you saying, this is God's will concerning this matter. So you understand that you be, you, you, when you renew your mind, when you understand more of the will of God, you are able to appreciate what is his good, what is his perfect, uh, acceptable, and what is his perfect will. Why do you know those things so you can make the right decisions? Testing is about decision making. Testing, a lot of us have asked, if you see in James chapter 1 verse 5, let's go there. James chapter 1 verse 5. Is anybody being blessed? James chapter 1 verse 5. Okay, so we read from verse 3, right? So, so we read from verse 2, forgive me. It says, count it all joy when you face diverse trials and temptations, knowing this, that the testing of your faith works patience. It says, let patience have a, perfect, a good work, that you may be perfect and entire lacking nothing. Has anybody ever wondered what verse 5 is doing there? Doesn't verse 5 look out of place? Talk to me. Does verse 5 look out of place? People are not sure. Let's, let's look at it again. Go back to verse 2. It says, My brothers, count it all joy when you face diverse trials and temptations, knowing this, that uh, uh, the testing of your faith works patience. It says, Let patience have a, perf a perfect work that you may be perfect and entire lacking nothing. Right? If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God that gives liberally and upbraided not. Does that flow? Does it flow? But 
when you understand what the first three is saying, verse 4 will make a bit more sense. It says, when your faith is being tested, when your decision-making is being tested, a proper phrasing of verse 5 should say, if any of you lack wisdom concerning what to do in certain situations, so you see that it flows, decision-making. If any of you lack wisdom concerning what to do in certain situations, let him ask of God that gives liberally and upbraided not, and it will be given unto him. So he says, count it all joy when your faith is being tested. When your faith is being tested, you know that growth is around the corner. When your faith is being tested, it's time to ask God for wisdom. God, what do I do in this situation? A lot of us sometimes are very flimsy about our decision-making. As a believer, you cannot grow in grace if you don't even understand how God speaks to you. How does God speak to you? Does he speak to you through the audible voice? Does he speak to you through the, smooth, uh, through, through the still small voice? Does he speak to you uh, through dreams? If you've not settled that, that's why I said there are some things you need to settle as a believer if you will grow in grace. You need to settle the, the, the sin and guilt issue. There is therefore no condemnation. You are not condemned. It's as simple as that. Let the devil say what he wants to say. Also, you must understand how God speaks to you. Because that is, that is how you access his wisdom. God speaks to us all in a general sense through his word. But then God speaks to us severally in different ways or individually in, different, in several ways. For some of us, it will be through the multitude of counsel. Has it happened to you before that you felt the Holy Spirit was leading you in a, in a certain direction? And then that day, almost everybody you spoke to was saying something along those lines. Anybody? I mean, it will happen to me such that if God spoke to me now, by the time I get to the gate, I will hear two people talking about something. They're not talking to me. <laughs> that law of recognition just kicks in. I will just see a billboard. <laughs> Don't worry. It won't say Tunde go left, but <laughs> hallelujah. I pray that, you, that God gives you grace to make the right choices in Jesus' name. Amen. God will give you grace to make the right choices in Jesus' name. God will, you will grow in grace through your spiritual disciplines. I think I'll just round up here. You will grow in grace through your spiritual disciplines. Pastor, what are my spiritual disciplines? We spoke about your devotional life. We spoke about your devotional life. We spoke about, uh, uh, sorry, um, um, uh, another one is your, is your worship life, your, your public worship. The Bible tells us not to neglect what is the fellowship or the gathering of the brethren. God uses the fellowship of the brothers to strengthen you. He uses it to stretch you. Yeah? Uh, 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 iron sharpens iron. He says, he that uh, walks with the wise will be wise, the companion of fools. He says, that person will be destroyed. He says, one will chase a thousand, two will put ten thousand to flight. There is a, there's a corporate anointing one will come together. He says, how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. Psalm 133. He says, like the oil upon the head that runs down the beard, even the beard of the prophet, even down the skirts of his garment. He says, like the dew of Hermon that settles on Mount Zion, for there the Lord commands a blessing, even life forevermore. How good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. All this alone Christianity is not growing in grace. Ah, pastor, you know, I just don't like church. I just, I just watch it online. Amen. God saw that when he said, don't neglect the gathering of the brethren. Who is sharpening you? Who is counseling you? Who are you counseling with? Who are you praying into? Who is praying into your life? He says, confess your faults one to another that you may be healed. Who, who, who is your accountability partner? That's what it means by confess your faults one to another. Because there are a lot of, there are a lot of, there are a lot of issues for us that are not, this is not about fornicating. This is real toxic stuff. You are walking in unforgiveness. Who can you talk to about it? Hear me, the power of sin is secrecy. You keep sinning because you think you are the only one who knows you are sinning. The day you tell someone else you've broken the power of sin. The day you know there's someone else somewhere who can hold you to account, you are growing in grace. Devil will say, don't tell anybody. Eh? Ah. <laughs> Sister Janet. I hope there's no Janet here. Is there Janet here? Please forgive me if there is. Yeah? Ah, Sister Janet. And you know, it's those times the devil will call you by your full title. 
Say, Sister Janet. <laughs> Amen. Say, ah, this thing, you can't tell him. Hey, how will pastor here? Just, just don't worry, you overcome it. They will be encouraging you. <laughs> Not to tell anybody. Say, don't worry, you overcome it. You just need a bit more strength. God will give you the grace. This is the devil talking. God will give you the grace. God will give you the God will give you the strength. Don't just manage. Ah, do eh, you eh, ah, you can't tell anybody this. Listen, look for somebody you trust. Look for a mature Christian and say, "Sir, ma, my brother, my sister, I am struggling." Confess your faults one to another that you may be healed. That you may be healed that you may be healed. Have you told someone something that really burdened you before and the minute you finished speaking, you felt lighter? You felt lighter. Confess your faults one to another that you may be healed. When you let it go, they say, they say forgiveness is releasing the prisoner only to discover it was you. Forgiveness is releasing the prisoner only to discover it was you. If you hold anybody in forgiveness, you can't grow in grace. Your love walk has to improve by the day. Your love walk has to get better by the day. It says, may the Lord cause you to increase. First Thessalonians 3.12. May the Lord cause you to increase and abound in love for one another and for all men, just as we also do for you. Paul was talking to the church in Thessalonica. It's in uh, John 13.35. Jesus said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. The very word disciples speaks of growth. We were not born disciples. No. You mature into, into a disciple. He says, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Love is one of the hallmarks of a disciple. Love is one of the clearest signs of a disciple. 1 John 3, 14, we know that we have crossed from death unto life because we love our brothers. We know that we have crossed from death unto life before we love our brothers. A lot of believers still struggle with unforgiveness, still struggle with all sorts of uh, uh, temperament issues. You need to be able to subject your temperament to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, please help my temperament. I am, I am, some of us are so choleric, we, 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 we hold nothing back. You don't care whose ox is God, you will offend everybody in the office. To get the job done. You are so competitive. You don't mind putting everyone in bad light. So you look like you're good. You're not growing in grace. It is, it is, those are works of the flesh. The Bible says. What God has in store for you. Don't forget the text we read. Ephesians 2 uh, uh, from 8. It says we are saved by grace through faith. Yet not of ourselves is the gift of God. Not of works. Lest any man should boast. Lord, not of works. Everything God will do in you, everything God will make of you, will be by grace. Somebody say a big amen to that. It will be by grace. It will be by grace. You will, you will live and walk in the fullness of God's plans for you. It will be by grace. He says, God, he says, we are the workmanship of God in Christ Jesus. We have been created unto good works that he has prepared for us in advance. That we should walk in. You are not doing anything new. You are walking in what God has preordained. It is your job then to align yourself. Sometimes you notice you're driving your car and suddenly you leave the wheels and it's going left, it's going right. And then you say you need to align. You need to align. When God has prepared something for us in advance that we should walk in, it's our job to align. Align in grace. Align in grace. Align in grace and continue to grow and continue to get stronger. And continue to improve and increase. And you become a better leader that way. A better leader. You become a better leader. Your, your character is stronger. You are exhibiting the fruits of the Spirit. Not the gifts of the Spirit. Hear me. This, this gifts, the gifts of the Spirit are beautiful. Paul said to us to covet the best gifts. Yes, yeah, so the gifts of tongues, the gifts of healings, the gifts of tongues and interpretation, the gifts of special faith, the gift of prophecy, the gift of, of the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge. That is all good. But you see, the gifts are not <coughs> anything when compared to the fruits. If we all went to a party, we all get what you, take, what you call a takeaway pack, is it not? 
you all get a gift. They say, take this home. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit gives the gifts to every believer severally as he wills. The gift that you have is nothing you work for. The Holy Spirit gives them to us. If you read, uh, 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 if you, if you read Bible history and you read lives of men of God, you will hear people like A.A. Allen who were drunk yet healing people. Why? Because the gift was in operation in their lives. It was nothing they cultivated. Paul was talking to the believer. He said, if you believe in the grace of God that is upon my life towards you, there is an anointing that we walk in when we stand here. I'm not a pastor because I'm not a believer because I preach. I heard two weeks ago the term Christian pastor. (laughs) I think it's a useful term. (laughs) Because there are some pastors who are not Christians these days. Christian means Christ-like. It was in Acts 26, 11, I believe, or 11, 26, where it says they first called them Christians in Antioch. Christian means little Christ. Say these people are behaving like Christ. It's in your character. It's not the gifts. I don't care how many tongues you can speak in or how many gifts you can interpret in. I keep talking about quoting scripture. If you have a well-trained parrot, it can quote scripture. A well-trained one. And you train it every day. It can quote scripture. So it's nothing to do with any of that. But the, the fruits of the spirit. See, when you pluck a fruit, it's because a seed was sown and it was watered. So the fruit of the spirit, where the Bible talks about love and kindness. It's important that you grow these things. Because where God is taking you is far. They say the things that pull men down from the top went up with them. He didn't meet them there. Somebody is big, everything has exploded, then you hear he fell in a sin. It was there. He just didn't look for an accountability part. He just didn't confide in someone. He just did not ask for help. He thought he could do it himself. He thought he had the gifts of the Spirit. After all, he can speak in tongues. But when you grow in grace, you grow in your character. You grow in your love walk. You grow in the fruits of the Spirit that have been exhibited in your life. That way you grow in God and you get better in your leadership. I want you to bow your head. Say a word of prayer to God this evening. Say a word of prayer. Ask him to ask for grace. Ask for grace. Father, help me to grow in grace. 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 Lord, I ask by the power of your Holy Spirit, help me to grow in grace. Help me to to grow in in my walk. Help me to become a better leader by your Holy Spirit. Help me to grow in grace. I trust you for strength. I trust you for for grace. I I trust you for your Holy Spirit, O God, to, to begin to work in me. The Bible says he works in us to will and to do of his good pleasure. Begin to work in me to do of your will. Work in me to do of your good pleasure. Father, I want more of you. I want to be a better Christian. I want to be a stronger Christian. I want to be more devoted to the things that you are devoted to. I want to love the things that you love, O God. Help me to grow in grace. Help me to grow in my leadership. Help me to grow in my leadership journey. Help me to grow in my experience. Ask God, ask God to, I want you to be specific now. Just mention one thing you are struggling with. Father, help me in this area. I need your help. Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to a message from the LifePoint Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash LifePointNG.